Welcome back. Now I am taking your legal questions here. Here's how this works. You give us a call if you have a legal question about anything that you've been pondering, maybe puzzling about uh, for friends or family, or if there's a legal issue in the news that you're wondering about or wanted me to comment on, give us a call, 312-981-7200. You will get my producer, Andrew. He's very nice. And he will take a quick synopsis of your question and we'll get you on the air. A 312-981-7200. Let's go to Roland. Hi, Roland. Welcome to uh, WGN. Uh, good afternoon, Counselor. Okay. Uh, all right. I have a question about a recent lawsuit filed in Cook County. Okay. The city of Chicago, along with an anti-gun organization, are, they went into the circuit court of Cook County to sue a gun shop that was in Indiana for allegedly illegally selling guns or distributing guns. And I was wondering, how can that work across the state line? Um, I, I can't tell you exactly that I've read this lawsuit. I've read about this lawsuit. Um, and I think the idea, Roland, is that because the criminals from the Chicago area know that they can go across the state line to Indiana and buy guns from this gun shop, which uh, they're alleging that he's the the, the owner is um, they know that these guns are being given to people who are straw buyers, uh, people who are buying these guns and distributing it to people who shouldn't be getting them, and that those those guns are being used to uh, to commit crimes in Chicago. And I don't remember the exact statistic on it, but I think there were like hundreds of crimes in Chicago that were directly traced to the guns that were purchased in that shop. So your question is, how can we go across state lines? And the answer is because the 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 guns from that shop are affecting what's going on in Chicago. I think that's how that's how they're tracing it. Does that make sense? Uh, all right. Wouldn't they have a better, uh, shouldn't they have gone into federal court either in Indiana Northern District or Chicago or Illinois Northern District? Wouldn't that be a more... Uh, suitable venue. And this is real technical, but it could be that when the gun owner defends the case, the gun owner can ask the case to be transferred to federal court for that reason, because there's diversity. I, I don't I don't know. Um, and that gets real technical. And that's a real strategic um, defense. So I, I don't know. But but that's a good question. That's a good question. But thank you. Thank you for that uh, comment and the question. Roland, have a good day. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to Carol. Hi, Carol. Welcome to WGN. You have a question. Yes, hi. I have a question. I wondered if there is a person that your previous guest, Andrea, would not represent. Is there something that somebody would be accused of that? You know, uh, Carol, I had that question on my list and I never got to it. (laughs) So brilliant minds think alike. Um, And here's, and if Andrea is driving home uh, in her uh, Uber today, I, 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 my guess is she's going to say no. 
My guess is that she's going to say yeah. that it doesn't really, you know, that, she, that the facts of the case, unless it was someone she couldn't get along with or someone who was so disrespectful or so confrontational that she didn't think she could do a good job. My guess, and having read her book, uh, that she would say she would try her darnest to help anybody who was accused of any crime. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, after listening to her. I'm definitely going to get her book. And thank you for having her on your show. Thank you, Carol, so much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You too. All right. Let's go to, do we have time for another question? Yes, we sure do. 981-7200. The phone lines are wide open. Bob, welcome to WGN. Hi. Hi. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, So my question is, is, um, basically, am I correct or incorrect? As I understood the decision on the Roe v. Wade, that the Supreme Court simply said that this does not belong at the Supreme Court level and should be at the state's level. And that gives all 50 states an opportunity to codify uh, laws based on what the people in that state want. You have Governor Pritzker has said Illinois will be a friendly state to those people who want that. And then uh, so did, I think, the New York governor, et cetera. And then there are states that are like Texas or Oklahoma or Missouri that are very unfriendly to that. And that if you want to change that, what you do is you you elect different people who then better represent the will of the That's right. what I thought happened. Am I incorrect or correct? No, you're correct. And you know what, Andrew, can you put Bob on hold just because there's a little static here? But Bob, I'm going to answer your question, okay? Um, yes, that's exactly correct. What the Supreme Court said was, we're not making any ruling, we're not making legislation. We, what we're doing is we're striking down the idea that there is a constitutional right to an abortion. And therefore, the states are free to make their own determinations about whether there is abortion, what what is a, a legal abortion, what is an illegal abortion. And you're right. And the idea would be that the legislators <clears throat> of this particular states will have that in their hands. And the idea is if you don't like it, uh, vote for somebody else who will vote, who will, uh, you know, create different laws. And I guess the argument on the other side of that is, is the right to um, choice of a, for a woman's body, is that something that is so ingrained in our inalienable rights, like uh, a right to privacy, a right to vote, a right to travel, right to freedom, a right not to be uh, legally searched and seized? Are those is that part of the constitutional right? Even though it wasn't enumerated in the Constitution back all those years ago, um, and I think Roe versus Wade said that it is an inalienable right, much like the Supreme Court uh, uh, said that the right to marry uh, the person of your choice is also an inalienable right. Um, so there, there's what the issue is. Is it a federal constitutional right? The Supreme Court spoke up and said, no, it isn't, because it wasn't enumerated in the Constitution and for other reasons. And therefore, Bob, you're absolutely correct. It's up to the states to determine uh, what goes on from here on out. Um, let's go to uh, Mike. Hi, Mike. Welcome to WGN. Hi there. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to create um, something and get a mess, you know, produced. And I'm wondering, uh, this is a copycat world we live in. How can I protect my idea from being stolen without asking people to sign non-compete, non-disclosure agreements? I mean, uh, once I get it up and running, somebody's going to copy me sooner or later. 
That's the person that's going to stick a knife in my back. How do I protect myself? Um, so you have an idea for, is it a product? Yes. Okay. So, and you said you need the non-disclosure agreements, right? You said you wanted to use the non-disclosure agreements? I do, and I don't. I mean, I'm just wondering, how do I protect myself besides using non-complete non-disclosure agreements from being ripped off and stabbed in the back? No, you absolutely have to. Uh, and I, I would say you can you can go online and get a good non-disclosure agreement, or you can hire an attorney to give you one. But I think the idea is that you have to. If you're going to be disclosing your idea in any great detail, you have to have them sign to say uh, that they're not going to disclose it, and it has to be very thoroughly, uh, you know, what, what they can and can't do with the information. Now, just, Mike, who are you intending to talk to about this, um, and, and in what regard? Like, these are employees, or these are people who are going to help you with your idea, or tell me what you're thinking. Both. Uh, the, the idea has not been invented yet. It's not been done before. And um, I, another question I want to ask is, instead of going through, uh, you know, uh, non-disclosure agreements with hundreds of words of legalese, can I print up my own statement and have people sign it? Would that carry the same weight? Yes, and and you can go online and look up non-disclosure agreements, and there's plenty of good ones. In fact, uh, you know, I just drafted one for a client of mine, and I have a file of them. So I looked up in my file ones that I've used in the past, and I've picked, you know, you pick different phrases that fit your 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 suit your needs, and you can put that together yourself. You know, I mean, I always say if it's something really important that you should have a lawyer draft it up because you want to make sure it's as tight as possible. Possible, um, because because you don't want to have to sue somebody. Suing someone for this kind of thing could cost over a hundred thousand dollars. So you want to make sure it's as tight as possible, and that the signatures are you know in the right regard. So meaning, if it's a corporation that you're talking to, is it a, an individual you're talking to? You want to make sure all of that is covered. So, but yeah, you can do it yourself. You can do almost anything yourself. I usually don't recommend um, using online forms uh, uh, just because there may be something that you don't know that that the lawyer can tell you this will also protect you um and obviously you're going to want to incorporate right you're going to do that before you start anything well speaking of that um i've never started a company before i've always been somebody else's employee i know there's llc inc period etc what type of company uh what should i put at the end of the name of my company to make sure that it's all legal, like INC period, LLC. Uh, I don't know which one to go with. Okay. Mike, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to go to a break. And I think the answer to that question is you need to talk to a lawyer because there are LLCs, there are corporations, and what form of business entity you use depends on a lot of different things. And so that's something that you should consult with an attorney. And um, yes, you can do that yourself. You can incorporate yourself and you can LLC yourself. But again, it's something that if you want to do this right, you probably need a lawyer. And if you need a lawyer, I have a couple of people who do business formation um, and NDAs and give me a call at my office and I'll be happy to refer you to a person who has a lot of uh, experience in that. My number at 
the office is 312-332-7800. When we come back, we'll be taking more of your legal questions on WGN. This is your chance to ask legal questions. Uh, I don't always know the answer, but I can hopefully steer you in the right direction. And if for some reason you don't get through here, or maybe you want a little more private discussion, you can always call me at my office, or better yet, email me, and I'll give out that information, 312-332-7800. And my email address is WGN at AskKarenConti.com. And what you do when you uh, email me, give me a few facts, tell me what your situation is, what county you're in, just so I know what area uh, I might need to refer you to, a lawyer to in that area. And, uh, and give me a few facts so I know what you're looking for, and I will get back to you. I get back to everybody. Maybe I'll send you a link or some someone to help you or a referral to an attorney in, that concentrates his or her practice in your area. Uh, estate planning, criminal, contracts, business formation, Mike, uh, who called before, happy to refer you to somebody good. Because, you know, it's hard to pick a lawyer. It's hard to find a place to find a good lawyer because when you Google a lawyer, you're going to get the people who have paid money to have their names pop up first. You certainly don't want to hire someone because of a billboard or somebody whose name is on a park bench. Um, so it's, it is hard to find somebody who you know is reliable and trustworthy, who's experienced and uh, would suit your needs. And again, there's different lawyers for different things and we're in a very big city and a big uh, surrounding area. So we have people who concentrate their practices in just one area, whether it's divorce or real estate closings or foreclosure or personal injuries, medical medical malpractice. Uh, Lawyers don't do all of those things. Most lawyers, in fact, don't do all of those things. So you're going to need to find somebody who has good experience in their particular field, just like anything. Let's go to the phone lines here, 312-981-7200. Let's go to Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Thank you for holding. What's your legal question? Hi, Karen. Um, you're such a thoughtful and, and intelligent woman. I, this has been on my mind to ask you for a long time. Well, thank you. Um, years ago, I had a lawsuit, the only one I've ever had in my life, and I pray to God I will never have another one. Um, but I had a condominium that had mold in it, and um, I had to move out and blah, blah. So anyway, the lawyers that I hired, which were downtown in Chicago on Michigan Avenue, Um, they made me take, I'm a nurse and they made me take time off from work to come down and work for them because they said there was too much paperwork. Um, and so I had to take time off from work and then pay for horrendous parking fees on Michigan Avenue, um, several times, at least seven times. And I just wondered if that was a common practice. Well, I guess I would. I want to know, what is it that the lawyers wanted you to do? Did they want you to go through st- certain documents? And tell me, tell me exactly what you were doing for those days. That's a long time and a number of days to be working on your case. Oh, right. Um, they just had me, um, I guess there was a lot of paperwork, and they made me, like, go through things and read things and, you know, um, you know, it was sometimes they made me like, you know, um, you know, copy things and 
um, put things in order and, and, you know, I just, I just didn't know if that was a common practice. That, that doesn't sound at all normal to me. Um, what, and this is, and this is, this is something I'm going to kind of broaden the topic, Ruth. So for people who are out there who may have a lawsuit, whether it's a divorce or a personal injury case or what have you, you know, lawyers, um, will give you homework. We'll say to you, you know, listen, you have to produce all of your medical records to show that you were actually injured or in a divorce case, you have to produce three years of financial documents, including credit card statements and bank statements and and the like. And so, yes, you have to do that work, And but usually you can do it at home. And usually you can do it on the computer, or maybe you have to go into your bank and get past, do, you know, past statements. Um, of course. And, and, and that is something that I regularly tell my clients they have to do. Of course they have to do that because that's part of the process of disclosing information so both parties can prepare for a trial. But for you to come in and organize things for you to come in and copy things that's kind of I mean you're not their paralegal and um, that doesn't make any sense and certainly the number of days you're talking about is really did you say it was seven days or how what, how many days did you at come least in? seven at least seven different times yeah I and just, again this was a long time ago seven years ago that sounds so, that's you know. yeah that does not sound right to me um However, I do want to warn people who have lawsuits that it is time consuming. And, you know, if you have a deposition, for instance, which is a sworn statement under oath, you may have to come in and talk to your lawyers and prepare for it. And you may have to review voluminous documents maybe that were produced by the other side. So you do have some responsibilities that take up time. So much of it now, though, can be done via, you know, documents on email, of course. Uh, and a lot of it can be done via Zoom. Um, so that doesn't sound right to me, Ruth. Uh, I, I'm just curious, how did your lawsuit work out? Well, actually, you know, I I was it's part of the days that I had to take off was to talk with the, the judge that was hearing my case. I never, ever saw the judge ever. I would sit down there for hours and hours and I would never see the judge. Um, they also made me um, do all these um, inspections. Um, but there was never any written um, uh, reports for these inspections, and I asked for written reports so I could see them and go over them. And they said I didn't need to know that, um, that they knew it because they had talked to the people who did. You know, I just, the whole thing was like crazy to me. Well, you know, I, I, I'm I'm I don't really know how to answer it because I don't know all of the facts there, but it does sound it does sound strange. And I, I one of the things that I tell people when you have a lawyer, no matter what kind of case it is, you know, you have to be. And I'm not saying you weren't Ruth. I'm not telling you that you did something wrong because you didn't. Your lawyer should be telling you why all the time that you're doing these things. But if you said to the lawyer, "Listen, I've been doing this for seven days. I've taken seven days off of work. Is there some way that you can do this so that I don't have to spend this time? I I can't afford to do this. You know, why why am I copying things? And you know, you, you gotta have to address them. I and mean, I don't say to do it in a way that's so confrontational that you lose your relationship with your lawyer. But that doesn't sound right, and it sounds like I just I, I can't really explain it. So no, of course not. Yeah, uh, but I thank just, you. you know, it's, that's just I a just good don't. lesson to everyone to to really question and and you know in a nice way. What? Why? Why am okay. I doing this? You know, but but I don't have a good explanation for you, Ruth. But thank you for the call. Oh, thank you for answering me. All Karen, right, I appreciate it. All right, Bye-bye. you take care. Bye bye. Uh, let's go to Robert. 
One more before we take a break, but 981-7200. Robert, welcome to WGN. Hi, thank you. I'm involved in, uh, my uh, brother died, and I have to find out how to do probate and whether it's necessary. What what requires me? Is there a law that says I have to file probate? I'm sorry about your brother's death. Um, I'm going to put you on hold because there seems to be a little bit of an echo here. Can you put him on hold, Andrew? Thank you. Um, so the question is going to be, and I'll, I'll get you back on in a minute, I'm going to need to know the following. Did he have a will? And if he didn't have a will, um, wh- what was the nature of his estate? Did he have, wh- how much approximately did he have in assets? So let's get you back on. Robert? Robert, did- There was a durable power of attorney and um, a, a also financial affairs power of attorney. Now the uh, assets uh, exceed two hundred thousand. Okay, I'm sorry. And did you say he had a will or he didn't have a will? He did not have a specific written will. But in the in the uh, uh, living uh, living trust, it said that uh, here's the instructions. Oh. and upon um, during my life and upon my death. Yes. Okay, so he had a trust, and that's good. That's a good thing, because that avoids probate, for the most part, for, you know, in generally speaking. I can't give you specific legal advice, but the whole point of a living trust is to take it out of probate, meaning that, that your brother put together this trust that gave direction to the trustee to do certain things when he died, like gather the assets and then pay off the debts and then distribute the money to the people who were noted in the trust. So are you the trustee? Were you listed as the trustee, Robert? Okay. Robert? Yes. Were you listed as the trustee? I was, yes. Okay. So then you have to do what the living trust says you need to do, which is to gather the assets, probably pay off the debts, and then distribute the money. If you need help with an attorney to do that, um, you should call my office and I can get you someone who maybe can just do a quick consultation with you and tell you exactly what needs to be done pursuant to the language of that trust. Okay? All right. All right. Good luck to you. I'm going to give out that number, 312 Three three two seven eight hundred, or better yet, WGN at askkarenconti dot com. We still have time for your legal questions. Give us a call here three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. This day in legal history, July tenth. What happened this day in legal history? 1979, Chuck Berry was sentenced to four months for tax evasion. Uh, 1975, Cher filed for divorce from Greg Allman 10 days after they were married. 1962, Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested during a demonstration in Georgia. And going all the way back to 1040, Lady Godiva rode naked on horseback to force her husband, uh, the Earl of Mercia, to lower taxes. That's... uh, the idea of taxes uh, costing you the shirt off your back kind of thing. Anyway, um, taking your legal questions here, 312-981-7200. Let's go. Hi, Tom. Welcome to WGN. What's your question? Oh, hi, Karen. Hi. Uh, you know, I got a question for you, but before that, just an observation I made. Something just hit me that while listening to your show today, and just outstanding guests, um, that the people who tend to be the most emphatic or dogmatic about Roe versus Wade and, and against women's rights, they're, they're more pro-birth than, than pro-life, meaning that once a child is born, it's like those are also the ones that tend to not want to give, you know, uh, food 
help or food program, health insurance, um, daycare to give uh, the child a chance to better be raised in a correct fashion. It's almost like once they're born, it's like, well, too bad, so sad, you're out of luck. So it's more of a pro birth. Tom, I'm going to I'm going to interject, and then I want to ask your question. And I don't. It's really tough for me to get political here because I try really hard as a legal commentator and analyst to try to just focus on the law and explaining the law rather than taking a position. Because God knows I have enough uh, opinions of my own. But I, I said this right from the beginning, that I'm wondering if the states where they're going to take away a woman's right to choose, if they're going to prop up those child support laws, if they're going to prop up the right to daycare and affordable daycare for women who are probably can't afford to have that child, you know, and maybe did, right, because right. because... Now we're going to have children who maybe are not, I'm not saying wanted, but children who probably wouldn't have been born otherwise. And the law needs to recognize that, and the law needs to do something about it. And you're, you're, you're right in that, I think, and I guess I'm just going to read into it to say we should be looking at those issues, too. Yeah, okay, thanks, Karen. Well, my question was, um, it's just is it, when, when it comes to each state having the, their own choice, to strengthen their own rules, like Illinois. Um, is it the governor who has the final say on that, or is it this, each state has its representatives that determine the rule? In other words, who has more power? So, for example, if you have a Republican governor, let's say, but then you have a, a Democratic House, which has the final say? Well, it's all about the laws. And the laws are left to the legislators. So the legislators are going to be free to make abortion completely illegal, um, to regulate abortion in any way that they want. Or in Illinois, for instance, the, the uh, legislature passed a law several years ago that protects a woman's right to choose, meaning that there is a law in the book saying we can't restrict that woman's right. So um, they will. the laws will be all over the board and they will be based upon the laws that are written by the elected officials. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Right. I appreciate your Thank comments you, and your question. All right. You Thank have a good rest of your afternoon. Let's go. Sorry about that, Andrew. Sorry. Uh, can we? Yeah, there we go. All right. Joanne. Let's go to Joanne. Welcome to WGN. What's your legal question? Uh, yes. I have a trust. I have only one daughter. And at the lawyer's suggestion, when I updated my trust, he said, why don't you make your daughter, would you want to make your daughter your co-trustee? What does that mean or entail? Your co-trustee, a co-trustee. Maybe I'm using the wrong word, but what I understood is that even if I'm alive, if I would, you know, like mentally was not able to take care of myself or whatever, that without going back to a lawyer, that she would have the authority to, to do things. Yeah, this is not quite making sense to me because the way to do that, I'm I'm not an estate planning lawyer, but normally the way to do that is you have a power of attorney. And the power of attorney gives that person the right to transact business or make medical decisions on your behalf if you're not able to do it. So I would think that those powers of attorney could be done separately 
um, from that trust so that when you are deceased, then the trust kicks in and your daughter would be the trustee and she would act, as I was telling the other listener, she would look at that trust and you would direct her to what, what should be done with your assets and your debts and who the money is to be distributed to. So yeah. maybe maybe we have like uh, using the different words, but it makes sense that your daughter would be your power of attorney uh, f- for both health care and financial decisions. Yeah, she is. So, yeah. All right. It must be the way I understood it. Anyway, yeah. And, you know, you and, ask, and ask your lawyer that. I mean, it's a good it's a good question. If, if your lawyer is using that term, just ask. Ask your lawyer to define what 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 he or she means. OK. OK. All right. All right. Thank you. All again. right. You take care. All right, let's go to Ron. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the Karen Conti Show. How are you? Okay. I have a common problem. Uh, what uh, What should I do with a uh, landlord that doesn't fix anything? I know I can I can go to City Hall, but then I would face retribution by uh, him raising the rent. So, <laughs> what would be? Uh, what kinds of things is your landlord not fixing? Well, I had a. Uh, Water damage in our bathroom. The ceiling has a lot of holes in it, and uh, the screen door needs things to be fixed. The refrigerator, the washer and dryers in the laundry room are not working properly. Yeah, this is this is a tough one because uh, you know unless it's something that is sort of life threatening or water's you know you're up to your knees in water, uh, right. you really can't. I mean, you could take self help and you could get it fixed yourself and deduct it from the rent, but he may or may not have you know he may or may not go after you for that. I would definitely put everything in writing. Don't just make the phone call. A lot of people make that mistake where they're calling and then there's no proof that you've actually complained about. I think I would take pictures. I would send them. And when I say in writing, I mean emails is just as good as writing. And say I've, I've reported to this to you, landlord, uh, 10, 10 different times. The screen door is allowing uh, you know, bugs to come in. There's a hole in the ceiling. Uh, I need this fixed. Are there other tenants who have the same problem, or are you not in a building that has other tenants? Uh, yeah, there's other tenants. They have a... They have a we have basically the same kind of problem. See, we have like a we have like an absentee landlord. He maybe comes here around here once a month, if at all. Yeah. Well, I think I think strength in numbers. I think you should get all of your your co tenants together. And and make these complaints and make them you know in writing and, and with with well, like I said with photographs and proof of what's going on, and I don't know I guess you can call the authorities in your municipality uh, to see if they can cite. Uh, the building for these violations, and in so doing, um, that takes it out of uh, your hands, and it's now a matter of something that the landlord would have to do. Otherwise, the landlord would be fined. I don't know if those damages and those repairs really rise to the level of something that could be cited, uh, but certainly you could try that. I know what you said. You said you you think that they're going to retaliate. The landlord will retaliate, right. but that's that's what you face. And then, of course, the other option, of course, is not illegal. Um, legal advice, but maybe you look for another place to live because it sounds like their landlord has absolutely no intention of taking care of this. All right. Well, good luck. All right. Well, uh, thanks to my guest, everyone. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Sunday with more Legal Talk on the Karen Conti Show. Stay tuned for Rick Hogan, the fabulous Rick Hogan, up next.